SAFM, leading the conversation. The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. Talking about wisdom, there's much to learn from the tremendous history that lies in the Lily Sleeve Trust. And in conversation now with the chief executive thereof, Mr. Nicholas Wolpe, we are focusing on the virtual experience that they have termed agents for change, taking people through the tremendous history in this national institution that is Lily Sleeve Farm. Good evening, Nicholas. Thank you so much for your time. Let's have a conversation then about this agents for change, a virtual ex- a virtual exhibition. Thank you very much for having me on your show, and good evening to your listeners. Yes, I mean, it's it's something that we have been thinking of doing for some time in terms of trying to make the exhibit at Lily's Leaf more accessible, more um, enabling people to gain access to it. And like so many other institutions in South Africa and around the world, the COVID-19 pandemic just put this need to move the exhibit onto a virtual platform um, was fast-tracked because, you know, we started to evaluate the situation. And one of the things which we recognized was that tourism, at least for the next five years, is not going to return to the same levels as we were experiencing Mm, mm, pre-COVID-19. And on mm. top of that, because of the size of the rooms, you know, we're going to struggle in terms of complying with social distancing. So we're going to have to limit the numbers. And I think also a lot of people are going to be afraid of traveling. A lot of people are going to want to remain in their country or in their houses. So what I would like to refer to now as armchair tourists, just like you have armchair soccer fan, armchair rugby fans. We are moving to a situation where you're going to have armchair tourists who are not going to want to leave the comfort of their own home, and Mm. they're going to want to experience these historical sites from their own places. And of course, there's another very important aspect to this, and that is from an educational perspective. I know there's a lot of discussion that takes place, particularly in South Africa, about Certain schools don't have access to um, Wi-Fi, to the technology, to the computers, so they are slightly, they are left out. But the important thing is that it also makes it possible for schools who are not necessarily in the catchment area of the Johannesburg Hauteng area to be able to gain access to um, experiencing and going through an exhibit of this nature. Let's talk about that because it is true that is the inherent challenge of having all these institutions within the concentration of Gauteng because, of course, the the space is where the money is. This is where not necessarily the traffic, but the funding takes place. And this is the transport hub of the country. So in many respects, it would make sense to have all these institutions around you. But you mentioned the fact that the value of all of this, among many other things, is education. And that becomes very fundamental to South Africa, more especially when you've got a growing young population that is becoming more conscientized and more critical of its history. And this is one way then, this virtual exhibition, to help those young minds formulate not necessarily better questions, but more informed questions. How then, in the context of you saying there are inherent challenges 
do you propose to take the message out so that as many young people have got access to this exhibition? Well, I think, you know, within that context, we are pursuing along along the same lines as what, that we've done when uh, you know school children have come physically to Lily's Leaf. So there is an educational component there, and I think the important thing um, in the title of Agents for Change, it is not just about educating our young population. It is not just about keeping them informed, which we are failing to do. And I must stress that, you know, we are failing to educate not just our, our young population, our students, whether they be at school or in um, university or technicons, but the population in general. We're losing sight of what our liberation struggle is about. We are not aware of the meaning behind the struggle. We're not aware of what the struggle was about in terms of the objective. And the, why we use the term agent for change is because we are confronted today, not only in South Africa, but around the world. And particularly, again, I would like to come back to the, what Covert-19 has done in terms of highlighting the stark reality of the world that we are confronted with today, is that if we compare where we are today and the challenges we are faced today, and we look at the fact that we are talking about agents to t for change and linking it to the Ravonia trialist, it is, it's that sort of carpe diem, that Zeitgeist, seize the moment, take on the challenge, don't just speak about it, act upon it, put yourself forward, make the sacrifice, Put your hand into the boiling water, just like the Ravonia trialists um, did. So it's not just about keeping people aware of our past. It is also about encouraging them to seize that moment, that Kairos moment. This is the moment for change. Covert 19, for example, has created a platform where we can, if we seize the moment, make radical changes, make radical changes to our social economic environment, which has become extremely distorted, and not allow those individuals who are undermining the progressive forces, just like what is happening in America, Donald Trump, the divisiveness that he's creating, the fact that he's flaming um, racism, that he's using race as a means of divide and rule. And that's a, a very important aspect of what we're trying to achieve. And by putting Agents for Change online, we are accomplishing something else, which is to try and make it as accessible as possible to as many people as possible, whether they are, again, school children, university students, or the general public at large. The throwaway lines or the marketing line or the motto, as the case may be, of Lease Leaf itself is engage, discover, reflect. We have had a moment or we might still be in that moment of reflection, given the fact that the final member of the Ravonia trialist, Babu Mlangeni, is no more. He left having been very critical of those um, sponsors of the doom that the country is in many respects experiencing. How do we honor the legacy of all of those Ravonia trialists through engaging this Agents for Change when we discover more of the stuff that they stood for, which in many respects those 
organizations to which they were affiliated have since strayed from. In our reflections then of these legacies and us being used as the agents for change, what is it that would be your hope that the South African society at large takes away from that and goes on to implement? Before I ask the question, I'd like to just pick up on the point about the passing of Andrew. I mean, in many respects, the passing of Andrew was, again, one of those really defining moments in our society. And why do I say that? Because he was the last living connection to the Rivonia trial in terms of the trialist. If you look at all of those right. people who were linked to the trial, they were no longer, they're no longer here. So our living connection has now been severed. And it now becomes incumbent upon all of us to pick up that baton, to pick up the baton of what they struggle to achieve. And I'm, I, I'm always reminded about the Gettysburg Address, which I think is so pertinent to our situation today. Even though it was um, delivered by Abraham Lincoln in 1863 in the United States, he said on the battlefield, we are here to consecrate the ground. But our job is not to just consecrate the ground, but to ensure that their sacrifice, their deeds continue, that they do not go unanswered. And that is our job today. But the big question is, how do we get to that point? Because you raise the point, we have strayed. That notion of selfless sacrifice, that notion of serving mm. the people, of being there for the people, like Andrew was. Andrew never sought high office. He never sought the luxuries that came with power, the, the material goods that came with power, because he held true to the principles of being a servant of the people. So the question really is, how do we reinstall, reinculcate that into our into the fabric of our society? How do we create those conditions? And I'm, let me be very clear. I don't have the complete answer. I'm not sure I even have an answer. For it. But what I will say is this, that one of the important aspects is by putting Lily's Leaf online through Agents for Change, working with the National Institute for the Humanities to promote the importance of history and the stories behind it. The objective will be to tell those stories so the population become conscientized again to what we were trying to achieve, what those fundamental underlying principles that defined our struggle, the context of the Freedom Charter, what that meant, because we often hear it being quoted, but we don't live by it. And it disappears again back into the drawer after a period once the political expediency has gone. So the question is, we need to start ensuring that we educate our population, that we teach them the fundamentals of what our liberation struggle was about and what who must our founding do this, fathers were trying who to must achieve. Do this? Nicholas, who must do this? Do, do we leave it to the politicians who are all about legacy and all about telling a story in a manner that glorifies them? Do we outsource it to academia, knowing that not necessarily always, but the inherent dangers of academia, of self-aggrandizement? 
Do we play more documentaries without the narrations that come with that and leave the viewer to make up one's own mind? Where then, in the context of what you're talking about for the reimagination of a South African community that is more attached not only to its past, but creating a future that is going to be much better than any experience before of any South African, who's the driver of this change? And how do we narrate these stories without tainting the stories? Well, I think can we? I think let's use Lily's Leaf as the kind of benchmark as the, of telling the story. One of the fundamental principles that we've applied to Lily's Leaf is we're not there to critique or judge what the efficacy, the validity, or the accuracy of the story, or to change it. So I think one of the starting points is it is important that the voices of those who played the key critical role in the struggle are heard, but heard at face value, without distortion, without change. Their stories are told. That's one of the most important aspects, and that's one of the things that we try to achieve. So we tell the stories as they are told by the individuals. And I think we must, that is an important aspect, that, there is, that we don't try and glorify, distort, bend, or change the stories to fit our own particular narrative. That, mm. I agree with you, will not go anywhere towards solving or addressing the underlying problems that we face in this country. The other important aspect is who does it? Well, I don't think it, we should be saying, is there one individual or is there one entity? It should be a collective effort of society as a whole institutions like Lily's Leaf, educational facilities, um, the government, civil society. We all have a role to play in this. We all have a role to ensure that the memory of our past is communicated in such a way that we install the values that captured the imagination of the world in our struggle. And I think if we start to try and identify and say this is the individual or entity responsible, we're going to run into because there could be capacity problems, there could be lack of information, they may not know the complete story, and to rely on one entity to fulfill that task, I think, is something that is a bit of a delusional aspect on our part. Our role should be that we create the platform and that those, particularly like you made reference to earlier, the new leadership, the leadership that are coming up, the young should learn to seize that moment, the Kairos moment, the Carpe Diem moment, and run with it. It becomes their responsibility. We must pass the baton to them. They must pick up that baton, pick it up within a particular context, within a particular understanding, and run with it. And so Final question. Just like our founding fathers, we are going to run with this and we are going to make the difference and we are going to make the change and we are going to do it regardless of the consequences because our job now is to serve the people and ensure that the society we create is a society that our founding fathers like wanted to achieve, those that they were willing to pay the ultimate sacrifice for Let me their ask life. this question, Harold. Um, sorry, I'm saying Harold as if I'm talking to your father. <laughs> May his soul rest in peace, Nick. <laughs> We've got archives with the SABC and other media houses. We haven't seen, certainly not to a credible length and depth, 
the conversations that were taking place in Codessa. We haven't seen the minutes. We don't know who said what about ultimately what became the constitutional principles, which became the bedrock of the elections and the ushering of democracy, finalized and codified in the constitution of 96-97. We are yet to have replayed the moments that were captured in the TRC so that we know the level of pain and hurt in this country. Many African communities feel as though apartheid has not been significantly acknowledged, which is why we have some of these race relations issue and the increasing rise in nationalism because perhaps we don't have a sufficient relationship with our past. We don't know at length in terms of outside the hegemon that has been placed on the ANC and its narrative as the leader of the armed struggle and the resistance to apartheid. There are many institutions, there are many individuals whose names are silent, and I cite among them chiefly, Babu Robert Mangaliso Sobuko, whose voice is not heard, and yet we know he was such a prominent voice in the anti-apartheid movement. Would it not be a good start then to however uncomfortable and regardless of the consequences to cite some of your words, to unearth that material and let South Africans engage their history the way that their circumstances today demand they engage and respond to so that 2021 and going forward, we are a much better society than we are now. Well, firstly, let me say I agree with everything you said. I fully concur with you. The problem being is that and it's interesting that you raise Robert Sabukwe because I am very critical that Robert Sabukwe has been effectively written out of our history. A critical player, someone who played a, fun, a fundamental role. His voice is not heard. And that, I think, is a big fundamental problem we have in this country, that the voices are not heard. And when they, the voices do speak, those voices get suppressed. One of the big criticisms I have with our archives is that the, the, the material goes into the archives and then they are locked away. That's not the role of an archive. The role of an archive should be, it should be accessible and available because as Caroline Hamilton so wonderfully described it, our archives are the source and the voice to the unborn child. Everything that we yeah, want to true. know, everything that we need to appreciate and understand are captured and contained within our archive. However that archive is constituted, whether it's a collective archive, an individual archive, a family archive. But you're right. We do not give enough emphasis to individual voices, and we do not give enough emphasis to allow those voices to be heard. And I always Nicholas. love to use movies to quote. So there is a wonderful line from the king's speech when the king says, I have a right to be heard. I have a voice. And that is what it ultimately comes down to, that we all have a voice and we all have a right to be heard. And until we get to that point where everyone feels that their voice is being heard, we are Excellent. still going to be caught within that quagmire and that trap that you've raised with regard to our failings in terms of addressing the underlying social and political consequences of apartheid, because a lot of people feel they haven't been given that opportunity and that platform. 
And like you say, let's leave it there, Nicholas. I'm going to have to unfortunately yeah. cut you short there because we have run out of time. But it's clear there's a lot to be spoken of in this matter. For now, I can only encourage those who have been listening to go to the Lily Sleeve website and follow the Agents for Change, a virtual exhibition. Thank you so much, then, Mr. Nicholas. We go on now with our conversation in this immediately after the short break with Dr. Ishmael Mohammed, who's the director for the Center for Creative Arts in UKZN.